Welcome to Spark and Ignite Marketing, the podcast where business brilliance meets marketing mastery. I'm your host, Beverly Cornell, and I'm thrilled to embark on a journey of inspiration and innovation with you. Get ready to dive into the minds of successful and passionate small business entrepreneurs, unraveling the ideas that spark unique opportunities and ignite extraordinary marketing and success. It's time to fuel your entrepreneurial fire and let the sparks fly. Hey, adventure enthusiasts, did you know that by 2028, the global adventure tourism market is set to skyrocket to a whopping $1.63 trillion? And today, we're diving into this exhilarating industry with our very first guest ever on the Spark and Ignite Marketing Podcast. And we're here with Scott Brills. Scott's entrepreneurial journey in the travel and tourism sector, particularly in adventure experiences, perfectly aligns with this booming trend. So get ready to explore his incredible knack for tapping into lucrative markets and igniting excitement in the world of travel. Scott is a seasoned entrepreneur and international adventurer. I call him the international man of mystery. Having launched his first business at 19 in IT and web development with experience spanning nearly a 100 countries. Yeah, that's right. A hundred countries. He seamlessly blends personal passions with business savvy, offering a truly global perspective. Scott's latest endeavors center around culinary and adventure tourism with a focus on Japan and Tanzania. Join us as we delve into his entrepreneurial journey and glean insights from his diverse experiences. Welcome, Scott. Hey, Bev. What an <laughs> Thank you for having me. Put <laughs> in all of the adventures you've had, but there have been many, and I've known you for probably now 15 years? 15 plus. You knew me when I was doing the drive to Mongolia. Yeah. But that was 15 years ago this year. So must we might be on year 16. <laughs> wow. And you always are in, I follow you on social and all the places and more friends on Facebook and such. And you're always in some new place doing some new thing. It's always okay. amazing to okay. watch you <laughs> live vicariously through your adventures. I love it. I'm so glad you're here with me. And I'm very honored that you took this kind of leap with me on the very first podcast. So thank you so much. Oh, for your today. third podcast. So I know you're a seasoned veteran. Yes. Right? And it's, yeah, it's my second podcast with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But now we're doing video and all the fancy things. Now, so yeah, now it's all complicated. Yeah. In, with our, what, what was it? 40, 40 minutes of tech wrangling. Yeah, we're here and it's working. So it's good. So let's dive in and discover the sparks that created the unique opportunities along with your entrepreneurial path. So let's share a little bit about your journey into entrepreneurship and how it all began for you. I was pretty much a born entrepreneur. I was starting up businesses when I was a kid. A lot of them just on paper because I didn't have the money or resources to, to actually put them into fruition. But I make my own um, comic book company, my own software company, start up like a, a library, just like loaning books to parents and my siblings. I was doing everything you could to earn money. Uh, I was also out there helping my buddy with his paper route or mowing lawns or shoveling driveways and just to get a little bit of extra money to pad the allowance I was getting already. Had that $5 a week. And of course, it all eventually got spent on either candy, trading cards, or comics for the most part growing up. No video games? Know. No video games? Come on. That was a big prize. Most of the time I would wait Christmas to be able to grab those, but there were a few times where I saved up. They were not inexpensive. You're talking about 50, 50 bucks for a Nintendo game or like 
$70, $80 for some of those Super Nintendo games. There were some times I was able to reach that milestone. I was just always like in that mindset, even though it wasn't really 2002 when I formally incorporated my first business in uh, web development and IT after studying in Japan for a year and coming back and basically returning to my old job. I was working at Best Buy and I returned back to it. I had worked there for years and I changed in Japan. Just I'd become a bit of a different person. I was like, I don't want this anymore. And so I started a company doing web development because I knew how to do it. I was already doing that for fun for years prior to that, self-taught. And I, my my buddies were also doing it. And so we joined forces and collaborated on some stuff. And I was just doing it while I was in college as like a stopgap thing. So I wouldn't have to get a, a different job and ended up doing that for considerably longer. And uh, it was a great lifestyle business. I never really wanted it to be much more than that, but it really allowed me to, to live and travel and buy the stuff I wanted for the first decade or so of, of my entrepreneurial journey. So I'm very happy that I had that opportunity. You were like the first remote worker that I think I knew because you like worked everywhere. I was definitely, I, I remember like when Skype was really, obviously I'm dating myself right now, but I remember the first time, so I studied for in Japan for about a year and I came back and I remember winter, that winter, I went back to Japan to work at a ski lodge and to learn how to snowboard. And I had some clients already and I didn't want to risk telling them I was traveling. So I just kept up with my emails and then there were a couple phone calls I made through Skype and I let everyone know everything's fine, but one of them got wind. It was actually your former employers and, and oh, yes. collaborators, uh, the Tashiba brothers. And they had introduced me to their accountant, Woody. And he, he found out, I think through them or something, or maybe I had to tell him. And I just remember <laughs> Mike still makes fun of this. He's like, oh yeah, when he was just like, I've got my IT guy. He's in Japan for months. What am I going to do? And I'm like, no, you don't understand. We can, we can get this done through the power of the internet. And like the speeds were awful. Skype had just as many issues as we deal with today yeah. with like Zoom calls and whatnot, but more so and lower, lower internet speed. Yeah, but I was still able to make it work. It's just like even more so than today. Can you imagine 20 years ago, the amount of resistance you get trying to be like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I could do your website project or I can fix your computer remotely or something like that. Like it wasn't a thing, but yeah, I'd say like the beginning of me doing that like kind of digital nomad type thing definitely started in like 2002. So a little bit earlier than most, yeah. <laughs> so with all of the travels that you've done and all of the, I think, entrepreneurship businesses you've had from the IT to the web development to all of this, what are the key lessons that you've learned from the business and life side of things and how do they merge together? I think you're, one of the things I love about you, Scott, is that you've turned a passion into business opportunities. So what, how has that informed your perspective today? And, and yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky and happy I've been able to do that. It wasn't always a goal. Like I thought, you know, I'd go to college and then get a job at some corporation or something. It wasn't, especially back then, it wasn't really a possibility. I just stumbled my way to it just because I knew I didn't want to work in an office 40 plus hours a week. And Honestly, I'm not like the best employee. Like, yeah, I, I tend to <laughs> be strong-headed and want to do things my way. And, you know, like, oh, I know better. And if anything, it's reinforced after 20 plus years of entrepreneurship. Yeah. I'd say like the number one thing is two things. Be flexible, you know, be adaptive and, and never fail. Because I've done, I was just making a spreadsheet the other day of all the stuff I've done, like the little projects here and there. Some didn't really get off the ground, but still put time into it. Bought a domain name and blah, blah, blah. And 
there's something like 36 projects I've done, whether they're collaborations or I started up a company or I thought about starting up a company and most of them didn't work. <laughs> I actually made a spreadsheet after seeing, reading a few blog posts of other entrepreneurs that I'm either friends with or I admire and they did something similar. And I thought that'd be really interesting to do a forensic account, deep dive into like the projects I had. And so I went through my old folders of projects and stuff and it was cool. Definitely brought back a lot of memories, but yeah, just being adaptive, never giving up. That's pretty Pretty much it. Like, I didn't really have to learn that. It just came natural. So I'm, I guess I'm lucky. Those are things that really help out with entrepreneurship. So this forensic deep dive, though, it's a very interesting concept, right? And the idea of like tracking your the totality of the projects, but also understanding that there's failures. I'm assuming, but I'm going to ask the question, did you learn more from the projects that went off or the ones that failed? Both. I'd say every project you learn from. It's always different lessons. I would say I've had few projects that I would say have been successful. You know, the first IT web dev company, even though it never really went beyond me so much, I would say it's successful because like it, it did what I wanted to do, which is provide income for me to live and travel. And uh, my current safari company, I'd say is successful. My Eat Japan company, even though my culinary tours in Japan, even though it's small scale, more like a pattern business that I'm not really looking to expand too much. Just do it because I love it. I'd say that's successful uh, after 10 years. I'd say this last year, 2023, is the first time I was like, oh, wow. Like I actually went through my finances after I did a couple trips in the spring. I was like, oh, okay. Like it's a thing now. And, and that gave me you know, a little bit of a, uh, like that feedback to be like, okay, keep going. Um, it's always nice to have that every once in a while. But yeah, a lot of the ones that ended, luckily, like the, it ended quickly. Before any significant amount of capital is put into it, a lot of times it's just like my time invested. Mm -hmm. A lot of just different like web projects or potential collaborations or stuff like that. I even had my own podcast in 2013 and we turned it into an LLC, my business partner and I. After a year, we found like our visions had changed and, and we didn't have enough time and we had to you know, work on other things as so we shut that down. But all in all, I think I've had six or seven LLCs one S-Corp, a few international partnerships, one business registered in Japan, one business registered in Tanzania, been all over. But I think like now being able to, like you said, make money off of what I love, travel, and eating, eating and drinking, <laughs> animals, and entrepreneurship in general, just like being able to to build something. Like I like building stuff. That was also from childhood is, is awesome. I've, I've just been able to do that and do it at my own speed, which sometimes I feel is too slow, but... Uh, in the end, like when everything works out, I'm like, oh, I'm glad that I had this time to learn this or to try this and do it slowly so that I didn't just rush out the gate and then screw a bunch of stuff up and have people mad at me. So what kind of focus, how did you turn your focus from these, the website and all that side to the culinary adventure tourism side and specifically Japan and Tanzania? Now, I know that in college you had a Japanese degree and you taught English in Japan. I learned today you were a DJ in Japan. So how did it turn from all of that to this culinary adventure, like Eat Japan, and then the Tanzania Safari company? So, yeah, yeah. So I never actually taught English in Japan, although all my friends around me were teaching it. And I had plans after college to go there and teach Japan. In Japan oh, okay. Teach English in Japan. Um, I guess I was thinking of Drew. Drew taught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My buddy Drew, uh -huh. my buddy Drew and a lot of other people have, have done yes. that. And I was on that track, I thought, for years. Definitely 100%. I'm going to get my degree. 
go to Japan. You needed a degree to go into the program I wanted to go into, the JET program. And by the time I graduated, I uh, was dating a girl and my business after a few years was rolling along pretty steadily. And I realized that going back over there would just be extending college. <laughs> It'd be fun. And I'd make a decent amount of money, not a ton, but enough to have fun in Japan for another three years, let's say. But I, for the most part, I have to shut up the company, break up for the girlfriend. So I decided, oh, let's just, things seem to be going pretty well. Let's keep on going. And so I just kept on with the IT and web dev company for a few more years. And it wasn't until 2010 when, when I went to Japan or to Tanzania with my father, it was his bucket list to go over there and go on a safari. And he was kind enough to take me along for the ride. And it was my first time in Africa both of our first times in Africa. And we went over there, both had a great time. I decided beforehand to stay another couple of weeks to climb Kilimanjaro with a friend who was flying in from the UK and also to hit up Zanzibar. And along the way, one of our three guides that we had with the group of American retirees that we'd been traveling with for two plus weeks on the safari portion, uh, Josh, he was helping me out with all the logistics and whatnot. I didn't have a smartphone, so he was just like texting back and forth and at the end of the trip, after Kilimanjaro had been successfully summited, barely by me, he invited me and my friend and to go over to his house and meet his wife and then two kids. And so we visited and on the way there, I remember like being in his, his vehicle and saying, hey, you're really good at what you do. Have you ever thought about starting up your own company, doing safaris and tourism? Because it's clear that out of the three guides, everyone loved him the most. Everyone would rush to get into his car every morning, personable, funny, very knowledgeable. Just, you could easily tell he was the, the cream of the crop. So he said, no, not so much. Maybe some side projects here and there to get some residual income or whatnot. I said, okay, how about this? I know how to start and run businesses remotely. And I know your target market, which we've been working with a lot of Americans. What do you say if we start our own company together and I'll feed you leads? And originally I was thinking, okay, we're just going to, I'm just going to feed him business. I'll take a cut and kind of an affiliate kind of thing. And. In the end, it, it wasn't that I realized I had to put a lot of time into it. And so we changed it to a 50-50 partnership and started up a company both in the U.S. and Tanzania. And that was almost 15 years ago. And it's been going great ever since, even though very small beginning. The first <laughs> few years, very, I remember 2013, I think we had one customer, which he got through a referral of somebody else he would, he'd hung out with or he had as a guest. 2014, maybe nobody, but we had a friends and family trip. 2015, maybe two. So it was like very slow because I was still getting out of my web development business and it was tough to do that and to change things around to learn about the business and to get all the started from scratch, never done business abroad before, definitely not in Africa or Tanzania, never done business in the tourism space. There's a lot to learn. And even for him, having been a guide for 15 plus years, he had to learn a lot about that section, like that part of the business, which has a lot more to to learn in addition to the guiding role that he had been become used to. So the spark of that partnership was simply you just experiencing the country and him being extraordinary at what he did. Yes. I and, know no plans to go into travel and tourism. I love traveling, but I had no plans to get into that. It was purely going over there, meeting him, having that spark of an idea and proposing it to him like on the spot. It just I just felt called to do that. But you're the type of person who I, who will just do that. Like, and you're open to those kinds of partnerships. And I think people sometimes, as small as business owners and even entrepreneurs, sometimes we get a little closed-minded about what we know and what we do. And I love that you're just have this open spirit and that there's 
you're, you're always connecting with people and making connections. And I think it's brought you so much, so much to your life, whether it's friendships or partnerships or opportunities. It's really extraordinary that you are, that you are that way. You ask my friend, she'll tell you, Scott's the guy that stays in touch. He's yeah. Next people. yeah. Yes. I, I do have that like maven type of uh, personality that like, yeah. I just, I love meeting people, hearing their story. Yeah. No, you should meet this person. I'm a connect. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you're making me dream of travels and, and all kinds of fun stuff. And, and maybe you still haven't been on the safari. I know. I know. <laughs> it's my, my husband's in the army and, and sometimes our life is not dictated by us until that I know, I know. 20 year mark, Scott, then all bets are off. I'm going to, I have my passport ready. I'm telling you, it gets ready. <laughs> With that being said, we've gotten to know you just a little bit better of like where you come from, how your entrepreneurial spirit is thrives. Talk about the opportunities. That you've had. So can you highlight a moment or experience beyond the, the safari where you had these unique opportunities in front of you and, and how that extended your entrepreneurial journey? Like how that has made it richer or more diverse? How, how has it affected you? Yeah, something similar happened in Croatia, which I haven't even mentioned about. We do. It's a friend of mine that I met on a retreat in 2014, Julian or Julian, and he's a Croatian guy and friend of a friend. And now we do business together and we put together custom boat charters from split, the split area of Croatia, doing the week long island hopping types of excursions. And that was another thing. It was just like, Hey man, I've done this a few times. I know what's involved. You're on the ground there. You're a great like details person. A lot of people as well. You want to give, give us a shot. You know, so that's another project that I'm working on. Um, and then for Japan, it was more of not a partnership thing. It's like the odd one out, but I knew I, after I, in 2014, took a group of friends to Japan for the first time, and I was like, they're intro to Japan. I realized I wanted to do it again. So 2016, I did it again, right. and I was like, oh, I could make this a thing. And so uh, almost every year after, with the exception of COVID, like I would take groups of, of friends over there, and then I started becoming more sure of you know, what I was providing and upping the price and whatnot. And because I know about Japan, I speak Japanese, and more and more I know about food, even in depth, I decided to go do deep dive, especially during COVID and think, oh, I, I could, I could deep, I, I could dive deeper into the whole concept of food and drink and be a better guide, be more knowledgeable and everything. So I got degrees in sake, shochu, tea, wine, and that this adds to my credentials, which are cool to have when you're leading people over there and be like, okay, he knows this stuff. It's not something I could really partner with because it's tough to find somebody that has the connections, the Japanese ability, the history. I've worked over there in, in different hospitality arenas as far as bartender, waiter, busboy, room cleaning at hotels. Like I've been in that world before multiple times. And I started a business with my old roommate in 2006 that does hospitality consulting for Japanese companies. A very unique like mix of stuff that's very hard to find. But yeah, so I just keep that as a passion business and, and do it uh, a couple times a year. And I might expand it a little bit, but it's, it's tough because you, you only, I've, there's only one of me and I've got a life to live. I've got other things I'm doing, other businesses. And so I want to just keep it to that point where it's okay. If it makes sense, I'll do it. And if not, you know, maybe not. <laughs> I think that with culture and people wanting to get to know the culture, food and drink and all of that is so embedded in the culture. So having- Japan, Yeah, Japan's super, super, uh, super great spot for that. There's certain countries where you're like, Oh yeah, like Italy, right? Like yeah, Italy, Japan. <laughs> Funny enough, there's great Italian food in Japan because they really love Italian food there. So you'll find some of the best, like pasta, the best 
pizza over there. Like when I studied over there for the first time and I would eat, I was like, oh, why are the noodles? I was just like super boiled noodles. You know, just, yes. I was like, oh, the noodles are hard. No, no, they're all dente. Like, oh, okay. So, when I went to Peru, they have a huge Japanese influence of food as well. Mm-hmm. So when you have those fusion opportunities are really interesting too, from a culinary and cultural perspective. So since you've been able to find all these unique opportunities, what would you give advice to people who are either wanting to start a business or already established to help them find kind of their passion and uniqueness for themselves? Even though I didn't start off this way, it's what do you love to do? Or what did you love to do as a kid? Is there a way to make money? Inevitably, there's going to be a way. Just the tricky part is finding out about it. So I would just say in that field, do Google searches and see, pick some words string them together, do a Google search and be like, are people making money off of this? Yeah. Um, And if there are, then they've already proven the business concept to you. And you can do the same thing. Um, If you're not particularly like creative minded, then go ahead and just copy someone like not word for word and not taking a spitting image of their website and whatnot, but use them. Emulate someone that looks, Yeah. yeah, emulate them, use it as an example, as far as what they put on the website or what they're offering or the prices. It's it's what's in that quote that was it copying is the greatest form of flattery, something like sure. that, right? So yeah, it's just do that. If you don't have, if you're struggling to come up with ideas on your own, or if you don't have a lot of experience in that field, I just say, look at all the people that are already doing it and don't be like, oh, they're doing it. They could do it because of blah, blah, blah. And I can't do it. No. Yeah. They're at the same place at one point. And if they're doing it, it means that there's room for more competition. So take what they do it better, do it quicker do it in a more interesting way. Infuse it with your personality, which is going to be unique anyway. Mm -hmm. And your perspective, I think that makes a big difference too, right? Go the the extra mile. Yeah, like even small things, like so many people are trying to just get away with the bare minimum because and it's not like everyone, it's not people's fault. It's just lives are busy. We got a lot of stuff to deal with. But if you like go a little bit extra, like a handwritten thank you note in your package or showing that you give back to the community or something like that, like it goes a long way. Just those little things that help you stand out. Customer experience. It's like, mm-hmm. the, it's all I'm talking about these days with my clients. <laughs> so that's exactly it. How do you make it a surprise and delight or to add that little extra oomph to your offerings? That's awesome. So what marketing tactics, let's get into the marketing parts, my favorite part, right? What marketing tactics have been most effective for your ventures in the travel and tourism industry? How have you really built up? I know word of mouth is huge for you, but what else have you been doing? Beta test on your friends. <laughs> that's the thing I, that's the advice I give to everyone I know, especially those people that are starting their own retreat or their own travel group, beta testing your friends, tell, put on Facebook or whatever channel that you use most that you're getting a group together. This will be cut rate because the first time you're doing it to say things may not go as planned. That's just the name of the game. You're getting a discount in return. I want to ask you for your honest feedback, a testimonial. And the ability to use pictures and videos of you and marketing it to future clients. And then you're also able to, having done that, figure out a price point because you'll have done it. You'll know, okay, I made this much. How much do I need to make? Do I need to charge to make the amount I I want to be able to make by putting this time and effort into it? So that's what I did with safaris. That's why I continue to. I, I do a friends and family safari at the end of every year. That's what I did for Japan for the first two, three times. And that's what I, I continue to do whenever I start up a new thing. I did it with the yachts in Croatia. Yeah, it's just a great way to do it. And your friends will be generally more understanding if something goes wrong. They'll, they'll, they'll give you that honest feedback that you need as well. 
Before we dive back into the inspiring world of Spark and Ignite Marketing, let's take a moment to thank the incredible supporters who make this podcast possible. Today's episode is brought to you by BC and Associates Marketing, your go-to partner to help you spark and ignite your marketing. At BC and Associates Marketing, we believe in sparking ideas that lead to unique opportunities, whether you're a small business owner looking to ignite your brand or an entrepreneur seeking marketing mastery. Our team is dedicated to crafting tailored solutions that fuel your growth. From strategic planning to ongoing support, BC and Associates Marketing brings over 25 years of expertise to the table. We're not just marketers, we're your partners in success. Committed to sparking innovation and helping your business thrive in the ever-evolving landscape. So if you're ready to take your marketing to the next level, visit BC Associates marketing.com. Let's spark extraordinary opportunities together. A big thank you to BC and Associates Marketing for supporting the Spark and Ignite Marketing Podcast. Now, let's get back to the show and continue sparking those ideas. Yeah, I I think I got the first invitation to go on the safari and I really wanted to go. I was so sad I couldn't go. Lots of my friends have gone. <laughs> So some some coming a second time. I don't believe Michelle's going a second time, but that's awesome. So how do you I think with what you do as being so experiential, you have to use storytelling in your marketing and branding. So how oh, yeah. do you use storytelling to help your marketing? We had a great video that was produced in 2014 and we read it in 2022. My buddy Ryan Doyle of Video Vision 360, based here in Michigan. He gave me mates rates, as they call it, and because he really loved the first times he did it for what I would consider a cut rate. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah. And then one hell of a video. Yeah, you know, it's beautiful. Like it's a two minute clip and it really like encapsulates what we do, at least on the safari portion. I have to mm-hmm. do it again for Kilimanjaro at some point and it shows you like what it's like and <laughs> really gets you like wanting to go over there and do it for yourself. So like that, that I think is like a really cool way to show people, especially like video being the thing now, like it's so much yeah. more powerful than images yes. or text. Yes. I, if I found on anything during my years of business, it's that fewer and fewer people as usual on read, like they don't read the text, like they'll scan it or whatnot. They'll show up and be like, Hey, do you have this surprise that around that text? Oh no, I don't check my email. Or, oh no, I didn't read that. If you could put stuff in video form, it, it helps a lot. Other than that, customer reviews are super important. So I ask everyone, I'll generally ask my clients like three times because people are busy. I'll ask them multiple times to write a review on our review platforms or platform. I think it's important to pick one because asking people to do more than one is you're going to get quite the drop off of people actually doing sure. it unless they're your buddies, even your buddies. Sometimes that could be like, hey, <laughs> it's been six months. Can you do that thing you said you're going to do? Just because reviews are so important for every business, especially for high-end tours and businesses like mine. People are dropping thousands of dollars. But that's important. It's like social proof. Someone else talking about you is far more powerful than you talking about you. So having Mm -hmm. that is amazing. Are you using video testimonials yet? Like I started using Vouch for testimonials. I I started doing that initially in 2017 with the first uh, friends and family trip in, in Tanzania. But it was tricky because, and I'm sure I could do this better. I just haven't done it. You're like, hey, we're doing video testimonials and people just get in front of the camera and they just be like, yeah. And so it was tricky. So a lot of people aren't used to being on camera. They don't know what to say all of a sudden. Um, so I got a lot of, I, I had everyone do it. I was like, okay, now you, now you just get like talk for what was your favorite part of Safari? I was even mm-hmm. scripting them 
a little yeah. bit to be like, okay, what's this question? What's the answer to this question? Mm-hmm. But still, people were definitely better than others at that. You're so right, though. Much, Vid- too much video, <laughs> video is the way to go. Like having that video that professionally edited and everything done for you. Even not so professional videos are they're authentic and real and doing more of that to tell a story. People are more apt to pay attention, to stay engaged with that content far longer than if it was just text or an image. So I love that approach. And I think it's worked really well because especially with food and animals, you can't get much more visually interesting than maybe children. But other than that, like it's a marketing goldmine in many ways because she does on top of a, I don't know what kind of vehicle it is. Land cruiser. Thank you. (laughs) And like poking, that's so powerful. And then just the pictures of the beautiful food and the presentation of the food is just amazing. I want to do a video of that. Like I said, it's just a passion business. So it's a little bit less important to get that. It's more like just, I like it. It's like a, a business card nowadays. Be like, hey, watch this two-minute video and you'll understand what we're all about. Okay. So that's awesome. I loved hearing about all of those things. And I hope that inspires people to take their passion and do more of that for their entrepreneurial journey. But it's time for the what we call the lightning round. Are you ready, Scott? It's, sure. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to unleash a, like, there's seven, a storm of fire, rapid fire questions um, to uncover your favorite kind of business insights, tools, and inspirations. So here we go. What is your favorite way to connect and network? Email. What is your favorite business or marketing book? Ooh, was it Persuasion by Robert Gialdini? Ooh, that's a good one. What's your favorite podcast? Right now, I'd say I'm really binging. I have the last couple of years has been really turned on to My First Million podcast. Yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, the rapport between the guys is really good. They really get into the questions you want, give you actual advice on on your business and just it's fun to listen to it's that rare combination of like fun to listen to and informative edutainment that's like the newest category (laughs) yes okay so what's your favorite marketing tactic uh referrals and what's your favorite of inspiration going to places and doing things and yeah i think people's stories for you are really compelling which is interesting Who's your favorite inter- an entrepreneur to follow, like on LinkedIn or anywhere? I don't really follow a lot of people. I'll, I'll take what I want to take from a lot of different sources. I'm exposed to a lot. This is like podcasts or reading books and, and blog posts and whatnot. But I definitely was really into not so much like the way the business is run, but like the personality of Richard Branson for many years. And I, I had the opportunity to hang out with him in 2015 for a bit. And that was really cool. I can say that. Uh, there's not really anyone like I, I follow more than, than someone else. I feel like everyone has their own unique take on things, has their own different business and different strategies. And a lot of them don't apply to you or what you're doing. And so I just, just try to pick out the parts that do apply to me in my situation. Yeah. So, okay. So that, that's the end of the lightning round. You totally survived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the last, the last one wasn't necessarily a lightning response. That's okay. <laughs> So we're going to shift gears and focus on our Blaze Forward segment, which is um, where you let the sparks of inspiration from your our conversation turn into actionable strategies. So what is one easy step that a small business entrepreneur, someone who's just starting out, can take today to spark their opportunity or ignite their marketing? What is the one thing that you would say, do this today to help push you forward? For me, it's funny. I, I usually like try to think of a good name and domain name, but I know for, it's fun, but I know for a lot of people that can be like something where it prohibits them from taking action and making progress. 
So I would say don't do that for most people. <laughs> focus on getting focus on getting that first customer, that first dollar or whatnot. I just had a, a buddy release his book, Noah Kagan. He just released it yesterday. And it's called, I believe, Million Dollar Weekend. And he goes through and it's all actionable advice about, for the most part, like how to start your first business or like what exactly to do. Uh, to be fair, I do know him and I haven't read the book yet. But knowing him, right, he's got a, a podcast he's been done for years, YouTube channel. Yeah. And he's run a very successful business, eight figures. He's, he's a good guy to, to take advice from. And again, read it, take what uh, you can use and throw out the rest. But I think it would be like a, a good resource for people that are starting and, and also like very up to date because it, it just came out. It just came well, out. Yeah. Depending on when you're listening to this, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is January 20, 2024. So we'll see. <laughs> Okay, so before we go, Scott, share how our listeners can jet off to learn more about all your epic adventures, maybe sign up for a trip, or even keep tabs on any latest projects you're working on. How can they find you? I'm uh, at Scott Brills, B-R-I-L-S, on all the platforms. I'd say I'm most active on none of them. I do a lot of like personal spurts. You go through spurts. Like every active, and then you won't be, yes. Yeah, I'll I'll post something on Instagram and then wait another year. Yeah. However, the main the main channels I post on for my business would be Pomoja Safari is my African safari company. That's P A M O J A Pomoja Safaris P A M O J A, and it's just at Pomoja Safaris on all the things. So everything TikTok to Insta to X to Facebook. Yeah, so we post cool photos and videos of us doing our thing in Tanzania or elsewhere in Africa, and uh, that's. Okay, regularly, because we have someone who's doing it, but it uses all content that I've personally like shot with my, my camera during yeah. trips and whatnot. Yeah. So it's me in a way. <laughs> so what does Pomoja mean? What is the it's meaning? Together. So together. Safari means journey and okay. Pomoja means together. So travel together, basically, nice. in, in, yeah. in Swahili, which is the language of, of Tanzania, <laughs> East Africa. Yeah, I thought it, it fit very well. And I actually picked that myself. Copying so, is hey, the- there's also my website, scottbrills.com. Again. Super out of date, but you've got all the way to contact me there. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to share today before we, we sign off? No, not really. Yeah, good luck on the podcast and hope to see you on one of the adventures soon. It's on my list. Yeah, I, I, you will see me. I might be decrepit. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry, we have plenty of decrepit people come with us. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> well, you, and, and I love it because the tension stuff are like glamping. It's not. Yeah. It's, it's a comfortable safari yes, comfortable experience. Comfortable yeah, experience. Running yes. water, running hot water, yes. showers, full size. Good beds. food. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, good yes, food. Yes. Definitely good food. Well, thank you, Scott. This has been so fun. And thank you, our listener, to tuning in to this episode, the first episode with Scott of Spark and Ignite Your Marketing. If you're feeling fired up and ready to blaze new trails in your entrepreneurial adventure, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And with our weekly episodes packed with sparks of inspiration, you won't want to miss a single moment of the action. Subscribe now and let's keep the excitement going. So that's a wrap of this episode of Sparking Night Marketing. And if you're hungry for more strategies to fuel your entrepreneurial journey, I have great news for you. I also wrote a book. Marketing for Entrepreneurs, a quick guide to sparking and igniting your marketing is now available on Amazon. Whether you prefer Audible, Kindle, or paperback, this book is packed with thought-provoking insights and questions to help you light up your marketing efforts. Wrapping up another episode of Spark and Ignite Marketing. For your weekly dose of inspiration, join our community on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok for behind-the-scenes and exclusive content. Until next time, keep the spark alive and stay 
inspired. Thank you.